Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers Show. My name is, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not Here We Go, the Steelers Show. Let me bring somebody in to help me out with a title because I'm struggling a little bit here. My co-host, as always, is Kevin Smith. Kevin, it's not Here We Go, the Steelers Show. What is this show called this week? Uh, it's the pregame show this week. It's the Steelers preview show, man. We are, we're we're into a, a game week, a pseudo game week, of course, but a game week nonetheless, something that actually at the end of the week contains real football against another, uh, an opposite colored jersey, as they like to say. So I, I, I usually start most shows by telling you why I'm excited. I think the reasons this week are fairly obvious. Oh, yeah, they are, because when you say that this is not Here We Go, the Steelers show, and it is Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show, that means that, yeah, we've got a game to talk about, and we've been waiting a long time. We've been waiting since January 17th for another football game and involving the Pittsburgh Steelers, and here we go. So it's happening, and hopefully we're going to be talking about the Steelers playing football games all the way up until the third or fourth week of February. That's the goal here, Kevin. Right, and, and it's preseason, but... Every Steeler fan knows that this is a different preseason, different than than the last 18, at least. When when uh, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback, we we kind of approached these preseason games looking looking at other elements of the team. Uh, but there's a lot more intrigue this year, and so there's a, there's going to be a lot of reasons to tune in and really microscope these games. And I mean, if you're a fan who who loves to dig into the analysis, then this is much watch must watch football for you on on Saturday night. It definitely is. So we are going to set that all up and who better to do it with than the coach of Ocean City High School in New Jersey. Kevin Smith is here with me. I am Brian Anthony Davis. I did not do a traditional open. I did a fun open. So let's get to this. If Kevin says that, hey, you're going to be wanting to pay attention, then that means you're going to be paying attention to Behind the Steel Curtain for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. This morning, we had another episode of Let's Ride as Jeff Hartman told you not to put too much stock into the Saturday game with the Seattle Seahawks. The preview was last night with myself, Dave Schofield, and Jeff Hartman. We had another episode of What Ian's Talking About on Thursday and another Stat Geek. And coming up later on this weekend, so many great shows, including a We Run the North. There's going to be another Touchdown Under. You're going to be able to check out State of the Steelers, and the six-pack with Tony as well. So, so many things to check out. If it's Pittsburgh Steelers, we've got it here. And one thing I didn't mention, because I saved it, Mike Tomlin had a press conference on Thursday. Yes, a big deal. His first, pre uh, his first press conference of the season, and we're going to have those every Tuesday for you, but go back and check that out. Anywhere you download podcast, Dave Schofield broke down everything that Mike T had to say. It's a big deal, my friends. So check it out. We are your gold star first class trip to Pittsburgh Steelers knowledge, Kevin. Indeed. And I, I, I want to say again to anybody who's out there listening that the content uh, that is being cranked out by the staff that behind the steel curtain is fantastic. And many people don't get to see the work that goes into it, but the work that Brian and Dave and Jeff and the writers here are, 
are doing is is just i mean that's yeoman work it's a, it's around the clock work this is a uh, this is like a 24/7 job in some ways because if there's breaking news everybody jumps on it uh, and uh, now obviously with roster cuts coming up and 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 game results to report on these guys are going to be really working hard so i you know i i tip my hat to them it's been a pleasure to work with them and and i just can't uh, attest enough to the work ethic here at uh, the staff at BTSC Thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate it. It is a labor of love. A lot of people don't realize that this is not our jobs. This is not our profession. This is We are fans, but this is a part-time job for us because all of us have different professions, and we do this on the side, and when the side becomes a, uh, a big side, <laughs> you know, it's uh it's a whole lot different so uh we're we're mixing the Steelers into our everyday lives and uh it's a pleasure to have them along for the ride as well indeed so what, what's our focus this week Mr. Davis what are we getting on here well you said something to me that this is not going to be the typical preseason that we've noticed the last 18 years but I'm actually going to go a little further than that I cannot remember in my lifetime of being a fan any time that the Steelers had only three preseason games. Now, last year, the rest of the league, except for the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers, had three games for the first time. Now, Pittsburgh Steelers have won this year a slate of games with only three for the first time, and that's going to happen a while now. Now that there's 17 regular season games, they're down to three preseason games. And that changes everything, Kevin. That changes the formula of how things are done. So my first question to you is, what would we expect from the Steelers different because there's only three games instead of four, the way they march out the starters and the reserves? I think two things are are right off the bat you have to have considered ahead of time. And one is your evaluation process through the training camp practices. When you, when you know that you're going to have less game film, preseason game, but game film nonetheless on these guys, then you've got to make more critical evaluations of them throughout the practice periods. And I'm sure the Steelers have been doing that. And the second thing you have, you have to be able to do is you have to really uh, know your rotation. How, how do you want to get a look at these guys and under what situations do you want to get a look at them? For example, uh, you're, the, the offensive line has – some concerns and and everybody wants to see if they're gelling as a unit and, and how much progress have they made. So you have to make some critical decisions about, which again, just three preseason games, how many reps to give them. And you have to think about how many reps you're going to give them in what situations. Are you going to continue to rep them if another team, if your opponent now begins to substitute and, and are, you know, can you get a good read on your offensive line if you're leaving them in there longer and now your other team is playing a bunch of backups and some guys who may, may, might not even make the squad. So, so you have to really know what you're looking for. I think, I think the Steelers have some position groups where they have some really critical decisions to make. I would say wide receivers, one of those where you've got eight guys that legitimately could make the team. And we know the Steelers are not going to carry eight. So they need to decide uh, very quickly, like, how many reps are we going to give each receiver? In what situations are we going to use them? If, we, if I want to see, for example, George Pickens in the slot, then where, where am I using him there? In what situations am I using him there? And who am I now putting into the X or the Z where Pickens has been playing a lot of in his place? And how many reps am I going to give that guy? So they really, really have to do their homework 
uh, in terms of preparation so that they can get the reps that they need to evaluate these guys fairly. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. And it's going to be interesting because we are used to a formula the past few years. We're used to the fact that first game, you don't see a whole heck of a lot of starters. You're definitely not going to see Ben Roethlisberger like we saw hardly at all the last, I'd say, seven or eight years in the preseason. And sometimes you're not going to see him until week three. Now that week three is your final game, it's going to be a little bit different. And you mentioned what the other team is doing. So next week, when we get to Jacksonville and the Steelers take on the Jaguars, it's going to be a little different because the Jacksonville Jaguars had the Hall of Fame game like the Steelers did last year. So they are going to be on a different course with four games as opposed to three. So you're going to see some different things. If you go back to 2021, the final game of the season the preseason, excuse me, you saw the Pittsburgh Steelers rest a lot of uh, starters and it was the uh, quest for the practice squad and the quest for the, the bubble and the 53-man roster last year for the Steelers in preseason week four. But for Carolina, Sam Darnold and those starters started most of the way midway through the third. So you just have a different situation. We know that you're not going to have quarterbacks sitting as much we know the rotation already that has been uh that has been known since uh, Mike Tomlin spoke on Wednesday so we know that Mitch Trubisky is going to start this game you know you're going to see some action from those guys and the pressure is going to be on and we know that certain people and certain players are going to have a different level of pressure on them so my question to you Kevin is when we talk about pressure for week one only Who's the pressure on the most this weekend? So you, you brought up Trubisky, and, and I could get cute right now and, and find another area on which to focus, but I'm going to stick to the obvious. The Steelers have a quarterback competition going on right now, and Mitch Trubisky is going to be given the opportunity to start the football game uh, on Saturday night. And I don't believe that he can win or lose the job on Saturday night, I, I believe that no matter how he plays, I mean, he could be, he could be lights out spectacular, uh, or he could be god awful. And I still think that he'll probably be slotted as the potential starter going into the second game. But he can do an awful lot to secure the starting position with a good performance on Saturday night. And I think the Steelers really, really would like that to happen. They would, they would really like for Trubisky. He doesn't have to play lights out. He doesn't have, you know, we can, we can look at the stats when the game's over. And if we see that Mitch Trubisky went, you know, seven for 12 for 84 yards uh, without a touchdown or an interception and, you know, something that looked pretty ordinary in, in a quarter and a half or how much he plays, that, that could be a really good thing. The stats will not tell us the story. What will tell us the story is how well he commands the offense, how well he goes through his reads, how well he runs, for example, I think one thing that when I was at Steelers training camp last week, I, I watched them run an, a, an enormous amount of jet sweep jet and just jet action. And, and that, not, that doesn't say the Steelers are going to run a ton of jet sweep, but that that motion will be a huge part of their offense. And so much of that is about timing. And so much of that timing is on the quarterback. So if Trubisky can handle the intricacies of Matt Canada's offense, which does require the quarterback to 
be like a conductor, man. He's going to be directing guys in terms of motions and shifts and, and all of these changes that they do. And if he can uh, read defense as well, and, and if he can go through his progressions quickly, then I think the Steelers will feel pretty confident about him. If he doesn't do those things, then they'll give him another shot. But I think that they would love for him to come out and look solid so that they can feel confident in their decision to move forward with him as the starter. I see what you're saying about Mitch Trubisky, and I agree completely. Let's break it down to actual results. And I, I know you said there's certain things, how he commands the offense, what you want to see. But for somebody that's just looking at a box score, and we're going to have some people that are just doing that to see how he did, because there's still some fans that are going to look for highlights and they're not going to invest in this game, which something that we all do here at BTSC and a lot of diehards that are probably listening to this game as well will do. But my question to you is, say Mitch comes away with, let's say, four series. And he comes away with a touchdown, a field goal, an interception, and a punt. That's still a pretty good start, right? It is in in from a box score result, but I'm going to hedge a little bit and say that it, it's so much more involved than that. For example, there's when, when you're a coach and you're looking at at the at the reason why things occur. There, it, it's so much beyond what one individual did. So obviously, you want the quarterback to to be able to do the things that the quarterback needs to do. And, and end results are, are always attributed to the quarterback. But, but there's so many different nuances there. Like, okay, what happened on that touchdown pass? Did, did Mitch Trubisky throw a receiver screen to Calvin Austin that you could probably complete? And then Calvin Austin did Calvin Austin things and went 70 yards to the house? Uh, I mean, that's not that impressive. Did, but did Mitch Trubisky you know, get, a, get a, a single high safety look and the Steelers ran a couple of verticals and he looked that safety off and then put a ball on the money to a Pat Fryermuth up the opposite scene for a touchdown. That touchdown is worth a heck of a lot more than the quick screen to Calvin Austin that you catch, you catch the ball, you whip it out there, and he does all the work. The same thing's true for like an interception. I mean, did he throw the interception because he made a bad read or he threw a bad ball? Or did he throw the interception because the receiver didn't run the right route or because the left tackle got beat and Trubisky had to rush his throw? I mean, there are, there are so many different considerations when you're evaluating the play of an individual and and it's very it's very tempting and it's very easy to simply look at the box score uh but but it's going to be a lot harder than that and and that's going to be frustrating for fans because fans are going to want easy things we're going to want to grade you know all right what well, let's grade mitch Zabriskie. all right we'll give him a b plus but what but, but what do we really how can we really do that if we don't understand what exactly we're, we're supposed to be looking for in in that evaluation and and I know that that may be a frustrating response, and I get that and I understand that. But that's that from the from the perspective of the coaching staff, the way they evaluate and the way the fan evaluates is just so different that it's going to be hard for us to know exactly what they think of Trubisky's performance or anyone's for that matter. It's funny, Kevin, because I'm here like Mr. Burns from the Simpsons, just rubbing my hands together, thinking excellent, because that's what I was going for on that question, because it's easy for us to look at that box score. But what I'm bringing up here too, and what you're saying is, you know, 
Mitch Trubisky might not have a touchdown pass at all, but what if he leads two or three sustained drives that end up in 17 points? And two of those are touchdowns that are running, but he got them all the way down. So the fact that you don't see a touchdown on that uh, on that box score, it's not a big deal. It's just like you said, it's how the how the sausage is made. So, and I know we like to use that that phrase a whole lot here on Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. You know, the other thing to look at here is the question that I did bring up in that uh, that question before was, it's not the end of the world if there's an interception, though, right? No, it's not. And and in some ways, it's it's a it's a great opportunity. And I know people are like, well, what does that mean? Interceptions are bad. Well, of course they're bad, but it's an opportunity to see a response to adversity. Bad things are going to happen. And the more important thing that there then becomes, well, how do you respond to that? And there have been several times during the during training camp so far where you've read that Trubisky had a bad day. And one thing that's encouraging is the very next day you read that he he looked great. And that just happened on Wednesday. He seemed to have a miserable performance. He threw a bad pick uh, to um, the Kazi. The safety picked him off on what looked like a really bad ball. Some of the training camp video that we saw. Uh, he was he was zero for four on the in his seven shots performance. He seemed to to you know not be late on on his reads, et cetera, et cetera. And then Thursday, the report said he was great. He was great that he had a, he he was three for four and seven shots. Shots he should have gone four for four. Uh, one of the receivers dropped the ball. He hit a couple long touchdowns. He looked great on sprint outs and boots. And what does that tell you? That tells you that this is a guy who so far has shown that he can handle adversity and he should, he's, he's been through a lot of adversity. Mitchell Trubisky was the, the second overall pick in the draft. And even though he had some pretty good results in Chicago, he was labeled by a lot of people as a bust. He had to deal with a lot of that adversity. And so if Trubisky throws an interception, it could even be a bad interception on Saturday night. And then he comes back out on the next series and he puts together a good drive. I think that will, will go a long way for the Steelers in terms of their confidence in him. But of the three quarterbacks, Kevin, the most pressure is on Mitch. That's what you're saying, right? I, I believe so. I believe so. Because Kenny Pickett at this point, the expectations are low. Uh, he he's going to get some time in the second half, no doubt about that, but it's going to be against a bunch of backups. It's going to be behind a backup offensive line. So who knows how much time he's going to have to throw. It's not going to really be a, a, I don't want to say fair, but it's not going to be the best way to evaluate Kenny Pickett. I mean, they're going to be looking for things from Pickett that'll be way different than they're looking for from Trubisky because he just hasn't, he just hasn't had the same reps with the, with the ones. And then with Mason Rudolph, we still don't really know what the Steelers' plan for Mason Rudolph is. They have some options there, but in, t- in terms of – they know what they have. They've seen Mason Rudolph play a ton of preseason games. They don't need Mason Rudolph to look great in another preseason game against the other team's second- and third-string guys because we've seen that act before. So, so really, Rudolph's the one uh, – I'm sorry, Trubisky's the one with the audition, so to speak. And the other guys are, are, are I'm, not, I'm not trying to say afterthoughts, but, but it'll be nice if they do well. But if, whether they do well or not doesn't carry the same weight as what happens with Trubisky. Indeed it does. So 
with that being said, Kevin, let's go ahead and take a break. We are going to find out next who else is in that pressure cooker. And we're going to answer the question to who are the Steelers really playing on Saturday at Acrisure Stadium? We're going to be back with those answers right after this on Here We Go, the pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, Kevin Smith, the coach, KT. Cliff Harris is still a punk, whatever you want to call him. Just don't call him late for the buffet, like my grandmother used to say. Kevin, we are here, and we're talking Steelers. A real game. It might be a practice game, but it's a real game. Do they still call them exhibition games, Kevin? I have not heard that term in a while. I, I've, I've pretty much heard nothing but preseason. So exhibition sounds like when I think exhibition, I think Bobby Riggs against Billy yeah. Jean. You know? oh I God, still call I it exhibition. Myself. How badly, how badly did I date myself with that wrestling? Yeah, yeah. Really, you, you did. <laughs> now, <laughs> if if you were like uh, watching that game intent uh, that match intently, you know, then I understand. That, yeah, I think uh, I was one. I was probably uh, one. One year old at the time. <laughs> I think it was 74 or 75. Oh, it was? Okay. So I was now, maybe I that. you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say 73 in Houston, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure for sure, but I, I know that was that lasted for a long time. The uh the it was called the Battle of the Sexes, and it was 1973. Oh, okay. All right. So I was three. I was three. I could have been watching. I don't know. I don't really remember three that well, Brian. So I was, if it was 73, I was like one and a half. Okay. So I've, and uh, I have no recollection, but who knows? My parents could have been watching and I'll have to ask them, but I, they're, they're not big tennis fans. I enjoy good tennis match, but I, I don't think they do. <laughs> Wimbledon when I was a kid was a big event. Oh my yeah. That was a huge player. And we would get up on for the Wimbledon, the men's final on Sunday morning. And my mom would make a big breakfast and the whole family would watch. It was cool. Jimmy Connors and Borg and McEnroe and those guys. That, that was a big deal in our house. Yvonne Lendl? Yvonne Lendl, yeah. The the cyborg. Yep. That's what he was. I think that's what Djokovic is now. But I should not be talking tennis. So let's uh, go ahead and move on and talk about the pressure cooker that is the Steelers. And the preseason matchup with the Seattle Seahawks. Or... Are they really playing the Seattle Seahawks this weekend, Kevin? They are not. They are not playing the Seattle Seahawks. They're playing an opponent, but the Steelers are not game planning for Seattle. They they'll they'll do some whiteboard stuff where they they look at Seattle's base looks and hey, here's here's two or three blitzes you're going to see. Uh, here's here's a couple motions that we're going to have to shift and adjust to. But there's no there's no game planning for preseason games. Uh, mostly, it's an evaluation on the execution of of fundamentals. The, how the scheme is going, uh, you know, how, how the scheme is being executed by the offense uh, or the defense and, and personnel evaluation. So it's not really a situation where you're preparing for an opponent. As Mike Tomlin likes to call them, nameless gray faces, and that's who are going to be in Seattle helmets, probably still 
some of the prettiest uniforms and helmets that I've ever seen. I've always liked the style coming from the Emerald City. So I, when they were silver helmets, even now, the blue and green, any incarnation of that, I absolutely love to look at. So I've, uh, I'm going to just enjoy seeing those helmets and not like the ugly Bengals and Browns and even Ravens on the other side. So that's just going to make me happy for this week. But let me ask you this about preseason action versus the drills that you have in practice. And it used to be that they would invite another team in uh, they used to do it at frostburg state where dave Schofield used to go and i used to live right across the street from it actually in maryland and they they'd play a they'd play a game against the raven excuse me the redskins and not really a game but they'd practice and they'd play like a scrimmage against them and do you find that so much more beneficial than uh to uh get a different look from a different team or uh, do you like the fact that uh, do you like to evaluate watching your guys play somebody that they know? I love that idea of, of an organized practice with another team. We've done that with our high school program, uh, brought in other teams to not not scrimmage, but but just run through a practice. And you just you get you get different ideas about how other teams practice, what they look for, what they emphasize in practice, their practice habits. And, and obviously you get the, you know, the benefit of your, your personnel going up against somebody else's personnel, which, which gets your guys juiced up. So, so I think that's a great thing. I think that obviously the, the, the obvious concern now is, is injury. You worry about, uh, well, with these guys now competing at a higher level, are there, are there, are we risking injury? So there's probably a little bit less of that, but I think there are still some teams that do shared practices. So when we go ahead and take a look at this game against the nameless gray faces of Seattle, and that's not a Seahawk on their helmet because we had this discussion the other day on the uh, Steeler hangover. It's actually an Osprey. So just want to let you know, there's no such thing as a Seahawk. It's a nickname for an Osprey. But that is one bad mamma jamma looking bird, though, Kevin. It's a good fun fact. That feels <laughs> like a Snapple cat fact. <laughs> I, that, would, that would be my dream job, writing Snapple caps <laughs> and drinking Snapple. I used to love that stuff. Um before they went straight tea. I mean, they, they have like tea all the time, but they used to have like more juices. So that's good. But I digress again. Let's uh, so let, let's see who else is in that pressure cooker. I, I know there's some obvious ones, but we still need to talk about them. So go ahead, hit me. So Devin Bush, let's, let's talk about Devin Bush. He's a guy who just hasn't been the same since his, his injury. I thought I thought his his rookie year, he showed a lot of promise, and I thought early in his second year, he was playing some darn good football. But the injury took away some of his mobility, and my issue with Devin Bush is I just don't think he's right mentally. I, I think he is worried about re-injury. He just doesn't see – he was never the most physical linebacker. He was a guy who relied a little bit more on his athleticism than on his – physicality i mean he's 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 definitely more of the you know the mac than the buck but um he just doesn't engage contact wise the way that that he used to and i, and I noticed that at, at training camp when i was there last week i just it, there were just a few opportunities where i'm not saying he's running away from contact or anything like that but it just where he had opportunity to to really get downhill quicker and and that was going to mean mean a, a collision and he just didn't do so and maybe he's worried about 
doing something in, in practice and saving it for the season, so to speak. But he's going to have to show out on Saturday night because he's in a competition. I, I, I suspect that he knows that, given the fact that he's split reps with Robert Spillane for a lot of the preseason. And the Steelers didn't pick up his, his, uh, his fifth-year option in his contract. So he's a guy who not only is he playing for playing time this year, but he's playing for, for beyond this year as well. And uh, he would make a lot of Steelers fans feel better if, if he performed well on Saturday night. And if he doesn't, then there's going to be some serious questions, not just about do the Steelers play Spillane, but do they now have to actually start monitoring the waiver wire and, and looking for somebody from some uh, another team to bring in? Because inside linebacker will then be a concern. Yeah, or they could get thrown into that Roquan Smith rumor mill as well, which I don't think is going to happen, but uh, you've, you've heard some different teams thrown in that one as well. I cannot see them making a trade, but desperate teams do desperate things, so you never know with that. I would love to see Devin Bush show off and show out and look great because I still believe in him. I Look, I get it. I understand that he has not performed the way that you want a guy that you trade up 10 spots for and give up a number two pick and, and a trade up for in a draft. But where would he be without that injury? I think that you're right. I think that injury really did mess him up. So this is the year you're going to find out who Devin Bush is. But my question for you is, can the Steelers afford to give him all of 2022 to find out who he really is. No, they cannot. And that's why the evaluation process, like we were talking about earlier on the show, just having the three preseason games has to be more immediate. And you're going to have to make quicker decisions. And the Steelers don't are not going to have the luxury. They, they come out of the gate with some difficult games. Cincinnati and New England in their, their, their first two games, those are going to be two difficult games. Uh, they're going to have to make those evaluations quickly. And the problem for the Steelers is this. They know Spillane is an incomplete linebacker as well. There were, I, read, I read some reports about training camp today and that just he was just getting abused in pass coverage by Fryermuth and, and Anthony McFarland. And obviously other teams are going to have their own Fryermuth and McFarland so that they're going to motion and, and, and shift around to try to get them matched up against Spillane if he's in the game. So, so if, if Bush can't do it, and Spillane is limited in what he can do, then what? where do the Steelers go? Uh, I, you read great things about Mark Robinson, and, and, but but he's not ready. He's still a project. You, re, you read that Buddy Johnson's a thumper, but he's got the same concerns in coverage as Spillane. So the Steelers really need to make a decision pretty quickly on Devin Bush so that they can plan their next move if it's not working out with him. So I realize that Trubisky and Devin Bush might be obvious, not because... Trubisky, I don't think, is fighting for his football life. Devin Bush may be fighting for his uh, mortality in Pittsburgh, as far as that goes. But we we figured those guys would be on the list. Is there anybody, Kevin, that you would throw on that list for this game on Saturday that nobody is really thinking about? Well, you brought up George Pickens when we were talking before the show. And, and it seems silly to say, is there pressure on a rookie second-round draft pick in his first preseason game? And the obvious answer is, well, there shouldn't be. But 
as you and I were talking about, maybe the pressure on Pickens is not necessarily coming from within the Steelers organization, but coming from the fan base because there have been just such glowing reports uh, about him, uh, uh, just that he's he's looked like the, a number one receiver, and he's and he's only two weeks into his first NFL training camp, and. What if he doesn't look like that on Saturday night? Are fans going to suddenly say, oh, that guy's not, he's not as good. It's just a bunch of hype. Uh, does, does George Pickens have to have at least one highlight level play, at least one play that wows the fans for people to feel satisfied? I don't know. What do you think? I agree. I That's why I brought him up because we're talking about a guy that every single day here is the George Pickens highlight. This is how great this guy is. And, you know, they're talking about him in Randy Moss territory of one of the one of the all time greats, you know, and receivers don't come out of the gate like Randy Moss did. And a lot of people are expecting him to do so. And you've got to realize there's so many hungry mouths to feed or hungry sandwich grabbers to uh, put that ball into in Pittsburgh. So with that, you know, can this be sustained? Are we looking at one or two great plays in practice that won't happen over an entire 60 minutes of football? You know, so I, I'm saying here that there, there might be some pressure from the fans that, uh, that are going to prejudge right away if he is not a superstar in that first game. And I think something a similar truth exists for Calvin Austin III because he's garnered some some pretty glowing headlines as well. And it seems like every day he he breaks off uh, a long run there Thursdays in training camp on Thursday. Same same thing. Caught a caught a short pass and turned it into a seventy yard touchdown. He seems to be doing that on a fairly regular basis. What the first time the Steelers throw him a quick screen and and he's tackled for a one yard loss. <laughs> I can I can hear the collective groaning of, of Steeler Nation because we've seen that act before. We've seen the perimeter screens not work. And, and you're gonna I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to jump in. You're gonna hear the no, name of Dree Archer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dree Archer, Chris Rainey. We've seen this before. It's not gonna work. Yada yada yada. And and so I I don't want to use it. I don't want to say there's pressure on them. But there's definitely uh, excitement and, and enthusiasm that if that level is not met can lead to disappointment and that disappointment quickly becomes grumbling. So I, I would I think that uh, that fans are really looking forward to seeing those two players, Pickens and Austin on Saturday night. And and we'll be disappointed if if one or both of them doesn't do something fairly spectacular. I know. Uh, I can't wait to see these guys, and I'm I'm really hoping they do something spectacular. But you just don't. I mean, it's a whole different ball game when you're putting you're putting some uh, different uniforms on the other guys that they don't have anything to lose. One quick question that I wanted to ask: We talked about the difference of bringing another team in. Do, do defenders? let up a little bit or even like a lineman on the offensive line let up a little bit to make sure that nobody's getting hurt in these practices or is it just like is that collateral damage 
It depends on on what the head coach wants in terms of a a a tempo. We I'll just give you an example. Our high school team we have three different tempos by which we do things, and we tell the kids going into a, a drill or a live session, I should say, which tempo we're on. We have walk through when we're demonstrating things, and we're almost we're almost we're not literally walking through, but we're at a very very slow pace. And the and the reason we are is because we're either teaching or demonstrating. Then we have what we call showcase speed and showcase speed means we're we're trying to showcase our, our what a game is going to look like uh in terms of the reads and the reactions but we're not tackling people we're not putting guys on the ground we're we're getting on the ball but we're focusing on the hey let's let's showcase our pad level we're going to get off the ball and get our pads under the pads of the of the defender or let's showcase our run fits so we're going to we're going to work really hard to get our guys into a run fit but we're not going to tackle the linebacker or the, the running back and then obviously you have live and live is live. Live is real football. And, and I don't think there's anything being held back in, in a live situation. And so, so absolutely. I, I saw, I definitely saw that at, at practice uh, at training camp last week. I, I saw, I saw somebody credit um, one of their Steven Sims, the receiver, Steven Sims with like a 70 yard touchdown in practice, but really it was about a 20 yard completion and the safety came over and, and kind of tagged them. Uh, but Sims just kept going and he ran all the way to the end zone and, and some, some beat writer somewhere, you know, said, uh, Trubisky hooked up with Sims on a 70 yard touchdown. It absolutely was not safety would have tackled him. Uh, so I think that yeah, to answer your question, absolutely. There are, there are instances of course, where you have to understand what, what particular tempo you're in very, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I wanted to mention this uh, really interesting reports that on Thursday's practice, the Steelers ran a full padded, practice with more live contact than any practice that they'd had all preseason, which is unusual two days before a preseason game. They, they actually ran their first live backs and receivers versus defensive backs, one-on-one tackling drill. Um, and in which the, 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 it was exactly what it sounds like. It was the, it was defensive backs coming up in live one-on-one situations and making full to the ground tackles on running backs and receivers. And that tells me either one of two things that Mike Tomlin was pissed off about something and I don't know what it was, but that he wanted to send a message. Maybe it was effort. Maybe it was attitude. Maybe he thought the tackling was sloppy. I don't know, but he just basically said to the team, you know, we're going live and you're going to, you're going to execute that. Or two, his message was I'm setting the tone with a, with a hard physical practice on Thursday, because that's what I want to see on Saturday night. But that was not coincidental. He what he did on Thursday in practice had a, a, a motivation and a message to it, and I would love to know what it is. And and I'm hoping that it translates to Saturday night. Man, I tell you what, you have me even more fired up because I didn't realize it to that extent. So man, now, now I'm excited even more. So let's do this, Kevin. We talked about the pressure cooker. We talked about the game that really isn't a game it's to see what happens so usually on here we go the pregame show this is where we do a prediction so we're not going to do a score prediction that's you don't predict preseason game scores what i want a prediction from you kevin is what do you think the top storyline is going to be on sunday morning after this game for the steelers Okay, this is my bold prediction. I did not know you were going to ask this question, but it, it, this is what jumped to mind. Uh, my bold prediction is going to be that the Steelers' offensive line looked good. 
that that people felt pretty good about what they saw from the Steelers' offensive line, considering that they've got two, and if you count Kevin Dotson, who didn't didn't play a lot last year, three new starters up front, and and there's a lot of questions about the running game and are they going to be able to protect the quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. The offensive line was clearly the biggest weakness on the team last year, and there's a lot of anticipation about how this group will look. And based on what I saw last week at training camp and just the reports that you've been reading and James Daniels talking, talking on Thursday about how he really feels like that group is coming together, I'm going to say that, that the reports on Sunday uh, on the offensive line particularly are going to be very positive. That's what I want to hear, man. So thank you so much. We got to do the dude of the week, my friend. Do you have anybody in mind? Well, for the sake for the sake of the Steelers, I'm going to make a projected dude of the week. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give it to Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to say Mitch Trubisky is going to be the dude of the week. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't think he's going to look great on on Saturday night. I think he's going to look okay. I think that he he's still learning the offense and and he's still getting comfortable with his receivers. And maybe one of his guys will make a big play. So, you know, Claypool's probably not going to play. Deontay Johnson will probably play limited reps if he plays at all. Uh, but but you know maybe one of those young those young bucks at the receiver position will make a play for him. I think he's going to look okay, but I think he's going to look good enough for people to feel fairly confident. Like okay, we can win some games with Mitch Trubisky. So that's that's my anticipation and my hope. And so let's give Mitch the dude of the week. I love it. I hope he really is the dude of the week. I want to see it. I cannot wait for this game. My prediction. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, quote Mr. T from Rocky three and say pain. No, not really. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't really fit here, but I just wanted to do that. I'm just looking for everybody feeling like the Steelers going in a positive direction. And I think that's good enough for me after week one. Yeah. I think, I think if, if the sense is that this team is on uh, 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 the right level, where 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 they're they're um, they're they're tracking in the right direction, and I think that it'll be a, uh, it'll be a good week. I mean, I think obviously there's specific things that people are looking for, uh, and and the line jumps out, and the quarterback jumps out, and the linebacker play jumps out. But but all in all, I think I think people want the Steelers to look organized. They want them to look fast and physical, uh, and they want to see see them play with some emotion. I mean, I think that those things are all important. And so if, if, if at the end of the day, that's we can report on those things, I think it's a good week. All right, Kevin, as always, this has been an absolute blast, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks, Brian. It was a, it was a fun time. You and I are going to be here all season long for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hopefully it is a long, long, long season for us that we're talking about what we're going to do for Valentine's Day and say, you know what? Valentine's Day is not going to be a problem this year because uh, my wife's going to have to realize that we're going to the Super Bowl instead. So that is going to be our goal, Kevin. You are an optimist, Mr. Davis. <laughs> it's a goal. It's yeah, it is a, be goal. a stretch, but it's a goal. Okay. I'm it's measurable. You. I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's go. <laughs> all righty. So make sure that you go back and check out any of the shows that you missed this week. Let's ride this morning. Absolutely phenomenal. Great stuff coming up later on today. It's touchdown under. It is the six pack. You've got state of the Steelers. You've got, we run the North and you've got let's ride again coming up on Monday. Also, 
Don't forget about that press conference that we had. The uh, press conference for Mike Tomlin is the recap that Dave Schofield did. And there's also a Q&A coming up this weekend as well. Wherever you download your favorite podcast, man, check it out. It is going to be fantastic. So with that being said, for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been, here we go, the Steelers pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. <laughs>